So, last night, Dark Side of the Ring aired the Double Life of Chris Canyon episode. And, uh, yeah, when people say that this is going to be the darkest season of Dark Side of the Ring, they're, they're not kidding because um, this is probably one of the darker episodes they've done. Um, it basically went over, you know, not just Canyon's career, but the fact that on the outside of the ring, um, he was very unpredictable. Um, basically the best, basically the best way to put it is, and they even said it here, because he, he went later on in his career to, uh, a doctor or somebody, and they basically said he was bipolar. He had a bipolar disorder. And in case you're wondering what that is, it's basically something along the lines of, well, basically it's a disorder, it's a disease that's basically along the lines of, you know, one day you're okay and then the next you're not. Or one moment you're fine and then the next you're not. You know, things like that. It's like you can burst into these moments of anger and frustration for no apparent reason. And then all of a sudden, a few moments later or the next day, you're fine. Like nothing, like nothing happened. Like, you know, somebody might ask you, why did you get mad at me? And you can be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, that's basically what, in a sense, bipolar is. Oh, well, that's what he had because uh, the people they interviewed uh, in this episode were, of course, Dallas Page, uh, DDP. They interviewed the Young Bucks. They interviewed Luke Hawks. They interviewed James Mitchell. And uh, another guy, I think his name was Andrew, who worked with Canyon in WWE and now works in All Elite, and, and now works behind the scenes in All Elite Wrestling. And uh, yeah, it was just you know one of those episodes to where it's like when you watch it, you see how much talent you know Chris had, and basically how it was pretty much not utilized to the fullest extent that it should have been utilized in. I mean, they do talk about, you know, the breaks that he got, the big breaks he got, like when he made it, when he became Mortis, and then he was able to break out on his own, first joining up with Raven, and then, you know, basically getting an opportunity in WWE when WWE bought up WCW, and, you know, it was, you know, it was basically uh, one of those kind of stories that, you know, you look at the fact that he was so up, if you will, when it came to being an on-screen and in-ring talent that behind the scenes it was like I said it was unpredictable like you didn't know which side of Chris you were going to get and they talk about the fact that he lived in a Catholic environment and that he confessed to the preacher that he was gay and that that's and that the preacher basically told him that you gotta you gotta basically get away from being like that you gotta you know kind of change if you will to to um, to you know to be truly cleansed and all that, and Chris is like, well, this is who I am, according to uh, what they were you know talking about, and um, yeah, it was just one of those stories that you know really just you 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 get surprised by you know how far you know down you know emotionally he was getting behind the scenes, like you know sometimes when it feels like he could be on the up and up behind the scenes and everything, you know, things were cool, things were fine, but then all of a sudden he would just, you know, go through this downward, these moments of downward spiralness, and it just, you know, it just, it, to me, this is one of those episodes to where, you know, they did, at the end, 
um, end with um, the the number to call the website to look up uh, if you know anybody that has these kind of problems and you know to you know basically utilize to, to help them out but yeah it's just one of those episodes that's like man you know you knew about the guy in the ring but you had no idea you know about the guy behind the scenes because it's like like James Mitchell said um, there were times that Chris would lash out on him and you know for no reason and then he'd be okay with him he'd you know do you know he'd do and he'd do the same sometimes with with other people who he knew uh, like Luke's Hawks and, and a few others and it's like you know it, 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 basically what it had to deal with is he is he was gay he was basically he was gay during a time when it was very taboo to be gay and that if you know, in wrestling up until the 90s, late 90s, or even early 2000s, if you came out as gay, you know, even if you uh, portrayed a gay character, um, you were basically, you know, la- labeled a bad guy. You were labeled a villain. And, you know, that, and they, you know, they gave prime examples of a lot of, a lot of characters that were like that, like Adrian Street, uh, of course, Adrian Adonis, Goldust, if you will. Uh, Billy and Chuck when they were a tag team you know they, they, they gave all these examples basically of how um, gayness was sometimes portrayed um, in wrestling whether it's Mid-South or even WWE or NWA WCW you know it just you know basically you know Canyon wanting to get into the business you know didn't want it to come out that he was like that that he was gay because he felt that that could derail his career. That could derail, derail any kind of opportunity he would have. So he wanted to keep it secret. And the only person that knew uh, was James Mitchell. James Mitchell was the only one that he knew, or the or the only one that he told, I should say, at the time. Um, and basically, he tried to keep it as secret as you know as possible. He tried to keep it kept secret and as possible. And James would point out that mentally and a lot of a lot of the people that they, they talk to including like I said the young bucks and and Paige and Luke Hawks and even Brian Cage uh, they all would acknowledge that you know even though he would try to keep the gayness you know a secret and James mostly is the one they talked to a lot in this episode um, even though he tried to keep the gayness a secret it bothered him Yeah, sorry about that, but uh, like I said, they talked to a lot of people, and basically, you know, the overall thing was, uh, for a time, he tried to keep it a secret uh, that he was gay. He tried to keep his gayness a secret um, from, you know, from a lot of people, including those he trained. And, um, you know, even though eventually they accepted it when he told them, it was still a bit of a surprise. I mean, even Brian Cage at one point in an, in the interview, he was like, you know, he's like, oh, wait, wait a minute, what? And, and you, again, sorry about that. Phone called again. So got another phone call there, just a brief one. But like I said, um, you know, Brian Cage was like, you know, he was a little like, you know, as he explained in the interview, he was like, he, he was kind of caught off by it, but then he was willing, but then he kind of basically accepted it, like, you know, this is who he is, you know, and that's fine with me. And they showed footage from a show that actually somebody uploaded recently here on YouTube called World Wrestling Legends, The Reunion. 
and they showcased um, the aftermath of the match between Page and Canyon, and where Canyon basically uh, addressed the you know answered and addressed this you know the question of you know is he gay. You know, is he gay? And he admitted it. He said, "I'm the first openly gay uh, athlete right now in the in the sport." And Paige was cool with it. He said, "Hey, you're always gonna be my brother." He hugged him, embraced him, and and that was it. And you know, you might ask yourself, "Well, what what are the Bucks? What do the Young Bucks and Brian Cage have to do with this?" Uh, they got trained. They got trained by Canyon. Canyon was was trained, had trained them, and all that. And Brian Cage, actually one of his first uh, matches in the independents, well, not one of his first ones, but one of his first ones on a smaller independent uh, bit, uh, um, you know, show, uh, showcase, if you will, uh, in front of a small crowd. Like, you know, let's say, you know, when I used to go to the Central State Wrestling events, we had like an armory. This was about kind of like that, but a little smaller. So Canyon took him on in a match and... You know, Brian Cage's first initial um, thought was, you know, Canyon's got to go over. He's the bigger name. But Canyon, uh, the one thing they would everybody said about him was he so he was so giving. He was such a giving person, despite his bipolar disorder, despite his paranoias and his mental stability. He was such a giving person that Canyon was like, no, I'm not going to go over. You are, and he let Brian Cage beat him. So. That was really cool, and they showed the um, aftermath of that of him appreciating, you know, Cage and and basically acknowledge him as the as one of the the future of the business. And like I said, they they showed that he was friends with the with the Bucks. That you know, during one of his moments of depression, he, he had talked, he had called, I think it was Matt Jackson, I believe, on, on the phone. Matt was, from what he said, he was getting into the shower. And, you know, he was getting ready to get go into the shower, uh, you know, and clean up and everything when he got a phone call. And Canyon was just, you know, upset. He was bawling. He was going to say he was going to end his life, stuff like that. And, you know, and that, you know, Matt needed to say a prayer for him. And they and he, and he talked him down. Thank God, you know, Matt at that time was able to talk him down and even pray for him. And I think in a sense, this kind of tells you that Matt's a Christian. Uh, in a way himself it's just you know his character doesn't come off that way on television but you can kind of tell the bucks are probably you know born again christians you know just they just don't flaunt it or anything you know as much uh but anyway you know he prayed for him and and all that and things were okay for a while they were fine and um then you know it got to you know the moment that you know you pretty much knew was they were going to talk about and that's his um you know his passing and they talked to James and James Mitchell got emotional during some moments of this including this moment where he was like you know you know Kenyon was cool with Kenyon got angry with him a bit but then they were cool and then Kenyon drove him to the airport and they were just talking and Kenyon started reminiscing about all these great moments and stuff and and James knew James knew when Kenyon started to do that like you know you know, one, it's great to, to hear him, you know, being all happy and jovialent and everything and remembering all these good times. But James kind of knew just by the fact that he was doing this, uh, doing all this, being, you know, some being willing to drive him to the airport and reminisce at the same time of some of the good old days. Uh, he he kind of knew. It's like he had this feeling uh, in the pit of his stomach that, you know, Canyon was, was going to do it. Canyon was going to... Uh, go through with it 
and pretty much you know end his life that that was it he was gonna you know pretty much go through with it and and end his life and unfortunately you know then you know probably a couple of days later or so that's when he got the news that he was found uh, dead in his apartment in New York and again James James said basically he knew He's like, just the way Canyon was talking and all that, you know, James knew. And when he got off the plane and his wife picked him up, his wife asked him what's wrong, you know, you know how things were with Canyon, you're like, what's wrong? And James was like, I think he's going to do it. And unfortunately he did. Now, one of the things they talked about in the special, uh, in, the, in the episode was, you know, when he came back to WWE, how WWE basically, and this was from Canyon's own perspective, uh, WWE uh, basically was punishing him for being gay. Like, for example, he gets told that he's going to uh, be put into a segment with two, two of the big names at the time in, on television for WWE, that being Undertaker and Paul Heyman. Of course, Paul Heyman associated with Brock Lesnar at that time. And that, you know, basically, uh, Kenya was going to be utilized um, as a parody of Boy George. And what Canyon, um, uh, specu- and basically what Canyon felt was being done here, and, and there were some that did agree with this, some that did agree, some didn't, that, you know, that they interviewed. And I think the, um, the guy that worked behind the scenes with WWE, who works behind the scenes for AEW now, um, basically said that WWE would never do this, that they wouldn't be the kind to do this, while others agreed and some others didn't. But basically, Canyon's thing is, you know, when he did that part, he, and he was put in that box and he came out of the box, you know, as Boy George, and sing and singing the song, "Don't you, don't you ever want to, don't, don't you ever uh, want to hurt, or oh, something like, don't you ever try to hurt me," kind of deal, something like that. And basically, he got the living, you know, crap beat out of him, you know, by by Taker, you know, with a chair, you know, in the on the back, tossed into the table, announce table area, chair shot to the head. And you know, the Bucks were in attendance that night for it because they said that anytime WWE is town, they would go to the event. And they both felt that this was not, you know, just part of the storyline; that this was punishment. They, they were one of the few that agreed that, you know, Canyon was on to something that, you know, this, you know, him doing the Boy George thing was WWE's way of outing him as being gay. And even at that time, you know, WWE was still very, I guess you could say, from, depending on your point of view, very negative towards LGBTQ people, um, you know, despite how they are today. I mean, today, they, they don't care. Today, to, to save public image, WWE is like, oh. But we have, we're fine with LGBTQ people. But back then, you know, they weren't. So having, so basically, Canyon and others that, uh, you know, sided with him on this speculation, on this theory, was that as soon as he came out of that box, it was basically him coming out of the closet. And that was no way of punishing him for, you know, being gay. You know, for doing that. And his career wasn't the same after that. I mean, yeah, he had a Cruiserweight Championship match against, I think, Ultimo Dragon and Vengeance. Uh, but then everything else was just not very well, you know, very well time for him in the camp, in the company. 
uh, despite you know potential pushes he could have got here and there, opportunities he could have got here and there, it just wasn't a good time, and and he was let go afterwards. And then of course he did Independence. He became a member of the Howard Stern Show, and it was during the Howard Stern Show that they showed interviews with John Cena, and you know Canyon, you know going back and forth on the phone with with Ric Flair, and basically you know people say that the plane ride from hell didn't paint Rick in a good light. This probably didn't help that either. And uh, John Cena, you know, I, I don't think John's going to be in trouble of anything because he's basically one of the golden gooses still of WWE, despite him being more Hollywood now. So I don't think showing what he had to say on the Howard Stern show on Dark Side of the Ring is going to hurt him. Because both of them just basically, in, in a way, buried Canyon, said he wasn't that good in the ring. I mean, Rick basically said, hey, you're, you're a good person and everything, but you're not that good in the ring. And some people would basically say that that was their way of saying, you know, they just didn't like the fact that he was gay. And maybe that might be a fact. Maybe that's true. We don't know. But, yeah, you know, it didn't... Again, if you think the plane ride from hell painted Rick in a bad light, this didn't do him any favors either. It didn't. And uh, if that's not enough... You know, again, they talked about, you know, the fact that he tried to continue on with his career. Uh, but there were many moments, James even said that he would go over and stay a couple of weeks, days, a month with Canyon because, you know, maybe he was there, you know, in the area on business, you know, because TNA was in Florida, so he would probably stay with him. And um, he would notice at times Canyon just, you know, putting, you know, sitting on the floor, filing, you know, doing some paperwork, you know, just organizing different papers and you know Kenya would come up with an excuse of oh I'm doing this and I'm doing that when it was something completely different um, you know he would point out that Kenya would go on these uh, websites looking for guys as well um, printing them out and then putting them into a lockbox and basically uh, James stated that anytime people would come over and wonder what was in the lockbox and everything Kenya would be like it's none of your business and, you know, James, you know, basically told him, well, you know what, sooner or later they're going to find out what's in that box. And basically you're turning that box that you're hiding all this, you know, information of, you know, looking up, you know, potential male, you know, love interest or male, you know, uh, companions, if you catch my drift. You know, you're hiding it in potentially what James called Pandora's box. And it was just, again, it's just... Overall, this this episode is just one of those episodes that, when you when you look at how good he was as a wrestler in the ring, as a sports entertainer wrestler in the ring, it's hard to imagine that he had these problems behind the scenes, and you know that it led to him eventually, you know, basically, you know, taking his own life with an overdose. So, yeah, it's just yeah, it's one of those episodes that again, really exemplifies how darker this season is for Dark Side of the Ring, if not more controversial this season is for Dark Side of the Ring than any other. And, you know, it's it's a shame. It's a shame to see him, you know, go at such a young age, you know, when he did in 2010, because I think had he gotten help, and, you know, well, and I think I'm not alone in, in saying this. I think if he would have gotten help, you know, just like anybody else in his position could, you know, need to get, needs to get help. You know, if he had gotten some help, that I think he'd still be around today. And I think, honestly, AEW would, you know, I know people think AEW is always glorified for 
you know, being something more than what they're not. But in this case, I think AEW would have been a great fit for Canyon had he gotten the help that he did and been able to continue in his, you know, his career. I think AEW, probably in his final years in the company, final years in the business, would have been a good fit for him had he been around today, you know, and gotten the help he needed. But yeah, it's just one of those episodes to where you're like, yeah, this this business you know, really takes a toll on you, not just physically, but mentally. Because you don't know, you know, how they're going to accept somebody, you know, whether or not they're straight, or lesbian, or gay, or transgender. You don't know how they're going to accept them. Nowadays, it's commonplace. It's not a big deal. And companies like AEW, and more importantly, WWE, and even Impact, you know, they have to accept this, because if they don't, it's going to make them look bad, and they don't want to lose public image. They don't want to look, you know, bad in the front, in, in the eyes of anybody. So, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's one of those episodes to where, again, they have the um, pre the prevention hotline and the help hotline for people, for anybody to call if you know of somebody in this kind of predicament. And, yeah, it's just, unfortunately, and it's unfortunate to see a talent like him be, be lost at such a young age. But yeah, if you want to watch this episode, I'd say watch it, but really, really take your time with it because it is very, very, um, I'll put it this way, depressing at times, but very, very um, insightful when it comes to how mentally much of a toll this business can take on you, especially when you don't want people to know about this other side that you have to yourself, uh, this other side of yourself that you have that may may or may not be you know accepted so if you want to check it out i'd say check it out but really take it with caution and next week i'm going to say this that one's going to be interesting too it's going to be dark but it's also going to be controversial and it's going to be violent because they're going to talk about onita and frontier martial arts wrestling fmw so uh, but anyway, though, guys, that's my uh, overview, my review on Dark Side of the Rings, Double Life of Chris Canyon episode. Look forward to the FMW one next week. Uh, check out my Teespring store for merchandise. Also check me out at BW Rose's Discussions um, on all your favorite audio podcast locations except for Pandora. Um, also check me out on Patreon at BW Rose's and BW Rose's on Vimo. So until next time, guys, take care. God bless. I'm out.